Hi, my name is Nicole Henson, and today I'm going to share with you how God set me free from the torment that I suffered my entire life from sexual abuse as a child. He set me free from clinical depression, PTSD, and even disassociative identity disorder. And I'm going to share all this on Twisted Youngins today. Stay tuned. what's up guys thank you all for tuning to the twisted youngin show the most unorthodox show on the globe i am one third of one of your hosts myra b king and i have a very special guest with me today she's going to give her testimony go ahead and let the people know who you are hi and first i want to say thank you for this invite i always love to be able to share about the lord my name is nicole henson and i'm going to share about how god set me free from mental torment Nicole, thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, For starters, where are you from, Nicole? I'm from Indiana. I currently live in Texas in in a small town near a big city, but I'm originally from Indiana. Great, great. Um, How was it growing up in Indiana for you? Um, That's a good question. It, It was a very, very small town and... I would say it was good in a lot of ways, but I suffered so much torment mentally. It's hard to say, would it have been different if I lived in a different town? You know, those types of things. I just, I had a really rough childhood. And so it's hard to, you know, I lived near family, which was wonderful. I loved that. But um, childhood was pretty rough. Wow. Um, Well, because most of the time you hear like individuals say, oh, I had a a decent childhood for the most part and, you know, such and such. when, when did you notice that your childhood was was horrible, like you didn't have a good childhood? Like what age were you? I, I don't ever remember a time of not having depression and anxiety, like ever, and fear. I, I, looking back on my life, I'm, I was never free from any of those things. So I think because of that, it tainted every relationship, every experience. It really um, made school horrific because I was extremely shy, didn't want to talk to people, had very low self-worth. I hated myself. I can't even remember a time in childhood where I was comfortable in my own skin. So really never. Wow. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, who, who and like what made you feel that way as a child? I was sexually abused by my biological father starting at a really young age. And he was also involved in like the occult. And he did a lot of like mind control games on me saying that he would know what I was thinking no matter where I was at. So for me, I didn't have a safe space. There was nowhere in my life, even when I wasn't on visitation with him, he lived in Florida. My mom lived in Indiana, but even in Indiana, I can remember laying in bed at night being six years or not six years maybe about eight years old thinking don't think bad about him don't think bad about him because in my mind I really thought that he would know if I was thinking bad thoughts so I think because I could never escape that and I never had a safe environment I grew up just having terror 24 7 so even when the abuse wasn't happening he still controlled me and it was like the abuse was still happening because I thought he could read my mind what part of a cult was he a part of That's a good question. Um, Because of the level of trauma, I don't have all of my memories. Um, You know, I have bits and pieces. I can't say that he was specifically this or that. He bragged about being a high priest in a satanic cult. 
um, to other people. That that was well known. He bragged about that to adults. That's been told to me numerous times. He also dabbled in crystals. He said he got his power from crystals. He could read minds. Um, there was animal sacrifices. There were blood rituals. But to know a specific name, I don't have a specific name, but it, it was really dark stuff. Wow. No, because what you're sitting here explaining to me, that's what they did in the Bible. Um, sacrifices, child sacrifice, animal, you know, animal sacrifices, you know, satanic worship. Um, and again, sorry that you had to go through that. So did your mom at the time know what was taking place? Absolutely not. Um, when I was three years old, they got divorced. There was a lot of domestic violence. My mom was very young when she got married. I think she was 17. The, um, that was kind of our family norm. The women in my family, we all got married young. I got married the first time at 16. Like it just wasn't unusual. None of us, I don't think, made it to 18. And so um, she was young and domestic violence, like he was violent with her from the jump. I don't think there was ever a time where he wasn't violent. And his family moved to Florida and we all had lived in Indiana. So he moved her away from everybody. Once they got there, it just got worse and worse. And she she made it till I was about three years old. And then she left him. She moved back to Indiana and he stayed in Florida. So he was given visitation. Um, when I was there is when the abuse would happen. So it wasn't in my mom's home. And I never disclosed until I was around. I think I disclosed the first time when I was around 12. But prior to that, I had never, never told. I mean, they knew things were wrong with me. I cried all the time. I was sick all the time. I missed tons and tons of school because I was a super sickly kid. I didn't play with other kids much. I was like reclusive, shy, angry. So they knew something was wrong, but they really didn't know what it was. How, um, how long did this take place? You know, the first memory that I have is before, and I said all that, said my mom didn't know it didn't happen in her house, but I do have one memory right before, I would have been around three, right before they divorced. And he had taken me to the bathroom. And the only part that I remember is being back in my bed, terrified with my panties down. So I can't say that abuse happened then. I mean, I was three years old. Yes. It's just a flashback that I have. So I'm not positive about that. I do know it for sure happened between the ages of seven and nine. He had remarried again. I think that was his third marriage. And when he married this woman, I don't know who got who into the occult. I don't know if she got him into it or if he got her into it. Um, but they got into it together because there was big gaps of me being there because I was only there in the summer. I went in the summer and every other Christmas. So when he married her, the very first time I met her, they were heavily already involved in those things. So I, I don't know who, who introduced who, but from seven to nine, they were together. And that's when the most of the abuse happened. Okay. So moving forward, um, you're growing up, you know, adolescent, you're transitioning to being a teenager. Um, how was that growing up knowing that you and what led you to, you know, getting saved, like um, receiving Christ and uh, welcoming that? And how did you get introduced to that? Um, as a teenager, I had a lot of issues. Um, I used to cut. I was anorexic. I hated school. 
I was not, I did not do well in school at all. I couldn't stand to be called on. So if the teacher called on me, I would just say, I didn't know the answer. Even if I did, I probably looked like a really lazy student, but it was just, I was terrified to speak in front of people. But then I also got really interested in guys that started really young around the age of 12. Um, I lost my virginity by the time I was 13 and I was putting myself in really risky situations. I was hanging out with older guys. By the time I was 14, I was quote unquote dating because looking back, it was not dating. It was um, far from dating men in their late 20s. And, you know, I was very attracted to older guys. I didn't fit in in school, so I didn't have many friends there. But I um, a lot of times was out of control with my emotions and I could not regulate anything that was going on internally. My mom had remarried and she had my brother with, with my new stepdad. I loved my stepdad. When he first came into my our family, I was thrilled. But then when they had my brother, it was like um, my mom was all I had. And when she had a new baby, that took a lot of her attention. And so I was very, very volatile in our home, yelling, screaming, throwing things, breaking things. Um, they never really knew what to do with me. They didn't have a lot of guidance. Even when they would put me in therapy, the therapist didn't really help. So our home was volatile because of me. So it was a lot easier to just not have me in the home. And so they would let me go spend time other places and those types of things. They didn't like lose, con well, they didn't really have control of me because of me, but I would hide things from them. It wasn't like they just let me run wild, but they would let me go to other family and stay with them. When I was 16, I met a guy that was close to my age. He was 18 and we started dating and within six months we got married. And for my family, that's not that unusual. Like all the women in my family got married young. And my mom and dad seen a change in me that I had calmed down and I wasn't as volatile and I wasn't out running around and, and I wasn't trying to be out drinking and, and those types of things. So they consented, I got married. Well, early on that marriage, like within weeks, he hit me for the first time. And there was just so much violence in it. But because of that marriage being so... Um, emotionally hard my parents had invited us to church because they had got saved along the way and when they invited us to church I'm like I knew that was the answer like I, I knew God was the answer because I had been raised around Christians my grandparents were strong strong Christians um, my parents didn't get in church until I was older but they invited us we went my husband and I at the time and I knew immediately, I'm like, this is what we need. And because I was at the point in our marriage, because there was so much violence and it was just, um, I had a new baby and and I knew that it was just going down a route that I couldn't live with. Like I, I, I could not picture being that way for years to come. And so we met with the pastor 101 and he talked us through salvation. We both prayed, we gave our heart to the Lord. And, you know, I thought, okay, this is going to be an immediate fix. We're going to walk out of that office and everything in our lives is going to be perfect. And then reality hit. You know, it's not like that. It is a journey and it is a process. And so that's how I come to the Lord. How did that feel for you? Um, 
in so many ways, it felt amazing because for the first time I had a strong Christian community. Like our church was really, really a community. We basically were there more than we was with family. So we was there Sunday morning for Sunday school, Sunday morning church, Sunday night church, Wednesday night church, activities throughout the week. My dad had became the um, children's pastor. So he was there full time. My mom worked there. So I, I was there all the time. And I felt like I had people who loved me, but there was always a wall between me and them because I felt unlovable on the inside. Even though it was all there, I felt like still in a lot of ways, I was watching it from the outside looking in. I knew I was going to heaven. I could hear God speak to me. I could hear his voice. I could feel his promptings. I could feel his presence. And that I don't ever want to minimize. You know, that was amazing. I had never experienced those things in my life. But on the other side, I still was very much depressed. I was still having suicidal ideation, like all the time. I would hear voices in my head just say, just kill yourself. Life would be better. It would be easier if you were dead. I still struggled with extreme low self-worth. I was paranoid if people wanted to be my friend because I didn't feel worthy. And I would think, well, what do they want? They can't really just want to be friends with me. Um, I still struggled. I flipped from anorexia to binge eating. It flipped when I got pregnant because I knew I couldn't starve my son. So I still struggled with eating. And I also had a lot of just torment in my mind. And um, I had a lot of physical torment where I couldn't sleep at night because I was in terror. I felt like something was staring at me all the time. I couldn't be in the dark. I was afraid to be in a room by myself. I couldn't leave one room in the dark and go to another room. And um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of where I was for, for many years. Wow. And were you reading the Bible at this time? Yes. Okay. I was reading the Bible. I was going to Bible study. Like we had two Bible studies a week at our church. I was doing those. Um, I feel like, you know, I, re I recently was talking to a friend of mine and looking back, I was reading the word, but I didn't know how to apply the word. So I was reading all of these things and I was learning and I had a lot of head knowledge, but I didn't understand how to apply that to my life, like spiritual warfare. I was never taught by anybody how to do spiritual warfare. And I mean, a lot of the attack I was having was demonic because of all the doors that had been opened in my young life. I mean, my, my biological dad did a blood ritual to dedicate me to a demon like you can't not have spiritual warfare when those things are done in your life you know and i mean it doesn't even have to be to that to that extreme a lot of things cause cause torment so in the bible i would read oh we have authority over the enemy but then in my life i'm like i don't know what that means what what, what does that mean and i wasn't in a church that taught spiritual warfare we didn't learn about that. You know, I would go to the pastor and I would go to people and I would say, you know, I'm in my house and my front doors open and close. My lights turn on and off. I see things walking through my house. Like, like, what do I do about this? And I would be told things like stand stronger. What do you mean? Like, like, what do you mean stand strong? You know, or have more faith or, or pray harder or, or with the depression, I would say, you know, it's so bad. I feel like that I just can't live. It's like this cloud over my head. And, and they would say, well, leave it at the altar. You're picking it back up. And I'm thinking in my mind, what, what does that even mean? Why would I pick that back up? Like, what do you mean lay it down? And so I kind of just got to the point where 
I stopped asking. I wasn't asking for help anymore. I wasn't asking because I felt like something was inwardly wrong with me. Because you're telling me to do this. I have no idea what you're telling me to do or how to do it, but obviously I'm not doing it right. So the problem is me. The problem's not God. The problem's not his word. So the only problem it could be is me. So I just kind of was like, well, you know, I must be the only one struggling like this and it must be my fault. And so I turned it inward as in something's wrong with me, which really created a wall between me and God. I already had a wall between us because I can never answer the question that just went over and over in my mind. Why did God let me go through that? Like I, I never could put an answer to that. If he is a good father, which the Bible says he is, how does he let his children walk through such difficult situations? So I had a huge wall from that. And then it just got bigger when I couldn't figure out why can't I make this torment stop? Why am I not getting healed? Well, is it safe to say that at that point you, you, you turned away from God and just kind of went to living back of the world as in like going back to uh, being depressed and dealing with all of your uh, emotions and, and feeling like that, um, wow, no, no one can hear me. No one is listening to me. God doesn't understand me. And you just kind of just like fell back from uh, the faith for a little while. Um, I can't say that I ever fell away from my faith and I never shut God completely out. Um, I never like stopped reading the Bible. I never stopped praying. I never went back into doing the things I did in the world. I never what I did was said it was my fault. God's not healing me because it's me. It's not a God problem. It's a me problem. And so I turned it around on, well, he can, but he's not because there's something wrong with me. And so there was a lot of hurt and a lot of um, mistrust toward God. I don't want to say anger because it was always me. It was always my fault. Like I always knew it was my fault. Like that, that was the thing that would just go over and over into my head. If God, you know, if God loved you, he would heal you, but he must not love you because something's wrong with you. And I mean, I would hear that. I would hear it over and over and over in my head. And so was I as close to God as I should have been? Absolutely not. Was I reading the word like I should have been? Nope. I mean, it wasn't like I was digging in his word for answers. I, it wasn't that my relationship did grow cold. Um, but I never like turned my back and said, I'm done with God, or it was never anything like that. If at the time you asked me, do you trust God? I would say, oh yeah, absolutely. But looking back, I didn't trust him. I, I didn't trust him. And we will never fully surrender to someone we don't trust. Amen. Just, did I have surrender? Nope. I was rebellious. I was doing life my way because God had let me down. And so that's how I felt at the time. Looking back, I do not feel that way. But in the moment, I felt like God had let me down and I was the only one I could depend on. So why in the world would I surrender to him? That was not going to happen. So was I in rebellion? Absolutely. Gotcha. What was the turning point? What was that turning point to where as you fully surrendered, you know, your faith started to grow? How did that happen for you? So I had divorced my first husband, um, we went, I, I stayed with him for about six years and it got to the point where I knew that one of us was going to kill each other because I was done. Like I was done being beat on that. I was just, I was over it. And so we went through a divorce. I remarried. And after I remarried, my physical and mental health just continued to decline. I also was getting like all of these weird diagnoses physically. 
Um, at one point, I was in being seen by the Mayo Clinic, and I had what they said looked like asthma, but it wasn't really asthma. I would get triggered. I couldn't breathe. I was taking inhalers. I would feel like something was choking me. I had all these stomach issues. I had viruses. I had um, just stuff. And they would always just say, well, we don't, we, we know something's wrong. We don't know how to treat it and all of these things. By 2020, I was to the point where I was basically housebound. I would go from my bed to my couch and my couch to my bed. I would kind of shuffle when I walked uh, because everything was painful. It used to hurt if someone just tried to touch me. Like it would literally physically send me into a pain for like a week. It would feel like someone had beat me if they just tried to hug me. So my bubble was huge. I used to always joke with people. My personal space is like 10 feet, so step back. And I was severely still depressed. I was having suicidal ideation daily. It was a fight some days just to stay alive. The The depression was so painful. It was physically painful is the only way I can describe it. I had PTSD. Triggers were everywhere. My husband and I had to live our life around them and I still got triggered. It would be smell, sounds, body types, specific words, clothing, videos on TV or shows on TV, music, they, they were everywhere. Food, there were certain foods that would just trigger. Um, and then I also have been diagnosed along the way with DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder. So the idea behind that is that when you go through trauma, especially as a young person, you can split, your identity can split and you can have different personalities living within the same body. So I heard voices 24 seven. If I was awake, I was hearing voices. And I recognized the different ones. They had different personalities. I had been taught to integrate, to allow them to have a voice, to allow them to speak through me, in me, um, let them write, let them journal. So I was I was doing all of that because the whole idea is to uh, get along with everybody and live in peace and harmony. Some of them were very, very, um, they would say protective but they hated everybody around me. They hated my son, they hated my husband, they hated God. And the whole thing was that they would tell me all the time, they're out to get you, they're out to hurt you, all they wanna do is abuse you. And none of my family is abusive whatsoever, except my biological dad. And they would continually tell me how bad everybody in my family was, which you can imagine if you're hearing that 24 seven, the effect on your relationships. And so I had very, strained relationships. My husband and I, he basically had become my caregiver and that was it. We we barely got along. He stayed with me because he felt sorry for me. He thought I might kill myself if I left. Well, in the midst of all of that, my son had messaged me and said, um, mom, I think you would really learn something from this pastor or get something from this pastor or this video. And I, I listened to it. And for the first time I heard something. And as soon as I heard it, I'm like, that's me. And he started talking about how even as Christians, we can open ourselves up to demonic torment because of open doors in our life, like, and not closing them. And I knew immediately, I'm like, I don't know how much of what I'm dealing with is demonic, but I know it's a lot. I didn't know if it was like 50-50, maybe I had a chemical imbalance and 50% of it was that, but 50% was demonic torment. So I started learning a lot about spiritual warfare. I was learning everything I could about spiritual warfare, about deliverance ministry, about getting free from demonic torment. And then the Lord said, um, I want you to fast and pray for a week. And I said, for healing and, and freedom. I said, okay. 
Well, before I, I, before it got into that, that week, he really started leading me through deep repentance. And I was to the point then that I'm like, Lord, I will give you anything. I just want more of you. I want, I want this junk out of my life. I want to be closer to you. I want to be who you created me to be. And there was a shift in me that was ready to do whatever it took, give up whatever I needed to give up, walk away, close any door, do whatever. And he just started walking me through how I had treated other people because I had already always behaved with manipulation and control because I wanted to control everything that I could, but I had hurt so many people. I'd hurt my child. I'd hurt my husband. And he started showing me these things in me and how I'd made excuses and justified them and said, but, oh, it's because I was abused. This is just who I am. And and he he really ripped the veil off of that and was like, no, you have a choice. You know, No matter what you've walked through, you have a choice how you treat other people. And so through that process, there was a lot of breaking off of lies that I had believed and lies that I had continued saying as justification. And then he told me to um, have my parents come over and pray over me. And so they did. And my dad, which is my stepdad, is he's not the abuser. Um, he's my stepdad. He uh, prayed over me and actually went into deep, deep spiritual warfare and cast between 45 and 60 demons out. And after that, I had zero symptoms of mental illness, like not one. Going into it, I had severe mental illness coming out of it. I had zero. And the physical health got about 80% better. I still had some lingering issues, still have a few lingering issues, but nothing like I did. And that was the turning point in my life. Like that right there was when I can say, okay, uh, I'm walking in freedom. Amen. That's wonderful. Wonderful real testimony. Um, Because... You are right uh, in the church. And I, and I can't say this for all churches and pastors because I haven't been to all of them. But for the ones that I've been to, they don't preach on sin. They don't preach on spiritual warfare. They don't preach on. Like. I feel like when I was a part of the world and I used to go to bars or clubs, there was a security guard and they'll tell you this is the dress code. The party is here on the down the hall on the left. They knew how to get me in the party. If I'm trying to get into heaven, the pastor to me are the gatekeepers. They're the leader of the flock. Let me know what I need to do to uh, get in because we're fighting for eternal spot in the kingdom. Let me know what I need to do. You know what I mean? And like I said, I'm not saying for all pastors. And I know in the Bible says we should study to show our own self-approved. But, you know, pastors today, well, again, not all of them. You know, it's like a lot of motivational and God, God loves you. One save, one save, you all, you know, you're, you're always saved. And, you know, it's just, it's not a, a, a breakdown, a guide on how to deal with sin, deal with the, the demonic attacks, the spiritual warfare, deal with the world, how to come out of the world. You know, like it's not a lot of that. And so, um, but yes, um, I, I appreciate your testimony and I appreciate the realness of it. Because that is what we need more of. We need more realness because we all go through stuff. We're, we're going through stuff today. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're always going to be tempted. We're always in a church. They don't specify and, and talk about that enough. And to where everyone wants to shut down and think that everything is perfect. And then they get looked at as hypocrites because you're saying one thing. Then you're out here doing this. And you're. it's, it's just, I don't know. But I'm glad that the Lord has touched you in the way to be able to um, come out of that spiritual warfare and... Um, 
just to recognize his love and his light you know um and just not to backslide and go into the world a lot of people would have gave up you know would have quit you know would have would have shut god out and that's what the devil wanted and uh it didn't work so um i thank you for sharing that and i continue to uh you know wish you well on your spiritual journey and and your family and um and thank you uh, also, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you? If they have any questions, if you know your social media, feel free to let them know where they can find you. Okay. Well, pretty much as soon as I got set free, the Lord said, share your testimony. And I said, oh, he said, you're going to have a ministry and you're going to be very transparent. So I knew from the get go, I was going to be sharing a lot of my life. And I do. That's what I do. Um, I'm very practical. I, I teach very practical how to apply the Bible to our lives. So you can find me on Facebook under Fullness of Joy Ministry. There's a group that we created. It's a ministry group and also a ministry page. You guys can find me on there, reach out. On Instagram, I'm under Nicole Henson, H-E-N-S-O-N. On TikTok, I'm under my name too, just Nicole Henson. And on YouTube, I'm under my name, Nicole Henson. Early on, we didn't have a ministry name. That's why a lot of this stuff is under my name. And I didn't want to go back and change every single thing. God didn't give me the name of the ministry until he walked through a time. Of con- it, it, that's a, a whole nother hour we could talk about. But that's why some of this stuff is. And I also have a website that's called Fullness of Joy Ministry at fullnessofministry.com. So you guys can reach out to me there. I have an email. You can reach me at fullnessofjoyministry at gmail.com. And I also have a few books on Amazon under my name about one is my testimony and two are for spiritual warfare. If you all want to check those out. Amen. Well, uh, I thank you for giving me your time and and opening up because uh, it's not easy for uh, individuals to open up and share their testimony. Uh, I know at one point I wasn't comfortable with just coming right out and saying it, but we need we we need that. That is what we need. And the devil wants us to be, um, you know, like not saying any not saying our testimony you know if you don't we don't share our testimony we don't say how what god has done for us how does that individual know that we have been clean how dirty we were how depressed we were how how we battled how do that individual know that god can do that for them too if we don't you know so uh thank you uh god bless you thank you so much